Test, 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 test. Nope, nothing there. Okay, so I've got to adjust game. Test, test. One, two, five. Okay, there it is. Well, good morning. We're back at it. And um, today we're going to, Lord willing, we're going to finish up uh, Philippians chapter 1 and maybe get into Philippians chapter 2. My goal is to finish uh, the first four verses of chapter 2 so that we set ourselves up for next week uh, going into this really uh, probably one of the most well-known passages in Philippians in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 and following. Um, but if we need to, we'll, uh, if we get f very far, we can talk about a few things from that even today. So um, our plan is to, um, is to look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, and then the first four verses of chapter 2. And uh, <clears throat> just to kind of get us uh, a running start into this, the first... Uh, the first section of this book is really uh, letting us know that we are the we are the family of God, and as such, we enjoy the fellowship of the gospel, and that's in the first part of Philippians chapter one. The second part is that we are also servants, sharing in the furtherance of the gospel uh, up into where we lasted we last ended last week, which is in verse twenty six. Following that, we're going to be talking about how we, as soldiers, we defend the faith of the gospel. So sometimes we tend to think that the Christian life is a bit of a playground, and really what it is is, uh, is, a, is a battlefield that, is, uh, uh, that we need to see God's kingdom advance. And um, one of our reasons for being here on earth is to see God's kingdom advanced. So... Um, Let's dig in today to this chapter or to this session and let's start with a word of prayer before we do that. I'll mention that we're going to go from, uh, we won't probably get all the way around the room, but we'll go to Denny's, John's table, Gary's table, Daryl's table, and our table if uh, we need it for all of the, the verses that we're looking at today. So we're in Philippians chapter 1 verses 27 uh, through the end of the chapter verses chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 but let's start with a word of prayer shall we father thank you for the opportunity you've given us to dig into your word we pray that you will guide and direct us today we pray the holy spirit will make known uh, what we need to know that we would be encouraged and challenged and convicted when necessary we pray that uh, you would uh, have free reign in our lives and we ask this in jesus name amen it's kind of a scary prayer to ask for, right? Free, let, allow the Holy Spirit free reign in our lives. I'm not sure that I, uh, after it came out of my mouth, I'm going, oops, maybe did I really want to say that? Apparently I did, yeah. Problem is that, you know, when it, saying it and practicing it are two different things, aren't they? All right, let's get started with uh, Denny's table. We'll do Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 27 through Chapter 2, verse 4. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, 
without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you, you will be saved, that by God. Okay, let's go back and start unpacking. So, <clears throat> you know, we have this situation where uh, we are saints, and as saints we are to defend the faith that was once delivered to the saints, Jude 3. And it talks about the fact that in in uh, 1 Timothy 4, that, that, that in latter times, that there will be those that depart from the faith. You know, it's true that each, the church is in danger of disappearing with each new generation. It takes, each generation must make its choice to be a part of the family of God and to be a part of, of the church and to wrestle and struggle for the faith. Now, so often, uh, Satan's desire is to... Um, uh, is to rob us uh, of our faith, of our doctrines, of our distinctives, uh, because he knows if he can cripple us, he can defeat the ministry of the gospel. I'm reminded of um, uh, several years ago on our one of our Thursday night studies, or Thursday morning studies, excuse me, we did uh, we read through the screw tape letters from C.S. Lewis, and you know, it, reading through it, you see a sense of how these. Um, how the demons, how the devil, how Satan's desire is to is to thwart God's plan, and uh, and if if you've not read the book, it's a short book. I, I encourage you to try to read it sometime. Just remember that everything you read in it that's, that's positive in the book is actually negative. It's written from the demonic point of view, and uh, it's written from an uh, from an uncle who is giving advice to a young demon who is uh, learning his craft. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's both hilarious and scary all at the same time. So you might uh, check that out at some point in time. But anyhow, Satan is there and trying to, to, to have us uh, uh, get sidetracked from what our ministry is, which is to the advancement of the gospel and the kingdom. You know, sometimes I've heard people say, I don't care what you believe just as long as you live right. Do you think that works? I don't care what you believe as long as you live right. I don't know, man. I tell you, each church uh, is, as I said before, uh, but a little more succinctly this time, each local church is, uh, is just one generation short of potentially extinction. Each church. Because we need to believe what we, and, and know what we believe. Um, we had a, a lady, my, my wife is selling uh, a bunch of stuff that had been my my mother's and she's got a ton of christmas stuff oh my word 
I got a garage full of Christmas stuff. And um, so a lady stopped by yesterday, I think it was, and I was talking with the lady because she had been, uh, we had heard that she was, through a conversation my wife had had with her, this lady's been by several times over to buy various things, uh, is that she's struggling looking for a church home. And uh, she's so she's caught up in, I want a church that preaches the gospel. Well, yeah, I do too, but def define for me what you mean by gospel. So often gospel means that we want a salvation message, and that's all we want on Sunday mornings. And that, that's okay if you have lost people in the, in the, in the services. But what if you don't? It's pretty boring if you, all you're preaching to is salvation and all you're preaching to is just the, the people that are already saved, right? So we, we need to realize that we, what we believe determine what we how we behave and wrong beliefs will ultimately mean a wrong life. And, and so we have to teach. The gospel has to include not just the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, and that we have new life in him as a result of that. But how do then do we live that life? How do we do what God calls us to do? How do we advance the kingdom? And, and it's, it's, it's not enough just to, just to get saved. If it was, then God would have dropped verse, two, or verse 10 out of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. You know, it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, that's great. That works perfect. As long as you don't go to verse 10. Verse 10 says that you were created to do good works. And God has planned that for you to do that as a result of your saving faith, not to get saving faith. See the difference? One puts the horse in front of the cart. The other puts the cart in front of the horse. All right, so how do we fight an enemy that is supernatural? How do we fight him? Yeah. Each morning you've got to put on the armor of God. Yeah, that's good. That's good, yeah. And if you don't, you're fooling yourself because we are targets. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes we want to leave off a piece or two, huh? When you look at, I believe that when you look at the fact that there are so many different denominations in, let's just say, Christianity, each one leaves off a little bit of something or takes on. Yeah. 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 Corinthians talks about the fact we're all one loaf. We seem to forget that we're the one loaf. Yeah. Yeah. When we, if we get to chapter two, verses one through four, we'll talk about unity today. And, and it's exactly where you were talking, James. It's exactly what we're talking about. You know, the weapons of our warfare are not from the flesh. It's not like you need bullets or guns or tanks or howitzers. 
or votes to see God's kingdom advance. It's the mistake sometimes we make is we think that we need to have votes to get God's kingdom advanced. That isn't the way it works. It's never been the way it's worked. It's worked because God's people God had a calling from God and lived a life that was so pleasing to God that it blew away all opposition, even those that were ready to persecute us. And we'll, again, we'll hopefully dig into that a little bit uh, in just a, f a few minutes as we get a little further into this. But I just, I'm, I'm amazed at how often we want to do everything but conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy of Christ Jesus which is what it says in Philippians 1, uh, verse 27, the end of it says, is, you know, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. It says, and then whether I come to see you or hear, only hear about you in my absence, I know that you stand firm in one spirit. Oh, you mean there aren't several? Contending, contending as one man. Oh, you mean we don't fight separately? For the faith of the gospel. Huh. That's tough to do, isn't it? Because we're, we're busy complaining about what we don't, you know, we disagree with somebody. The problem with Christianity is to, for so long in many churches, we've believed in, that what we must have in order to have unity is uniformity. If we had uniformity, I hate to tell you this, but you would all look like me, and that would be a sorry, <laughs> sorry problem you would have. God doesn't want uniformity. What he wants is unity. And unity is different. Unity, unity means that we can have differences and still be united for a cause. The cause ought to be Christ. Just saying. So, yeah. So there are some essentials that we need in order to fight this. One, we, we need this, this walking worthy, which, which I've mentioned. Uh, it, it, the idea of conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The, the verb that, that Paul uses there is the word that we get, you ready for this? Our politics from. Behave the way, he's, what he's saying is behave the way your, your citizens are supposed to behave. Which means that we don't take up, we shouldn't be taking up arms against each other over matters that are, should be adjudicated by law, at least in this country. Obviously in other countries there's a different situation, right? Paul suggests that we are citizens of heaven and while we're on earth we're supposed to behave like citizens of heaven. You ever notice that when we get into arguments we, we suddenly lose the heavenly part of our citizenship and we want to attack well thank you for admitting that I'm always right I appreciate that Dan because yeah, I know I am <laughs>
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, I know what's right and how to be led, and sometimes I'm lazy. Just me, James. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I, I think you're, you're right in this regard, Dan. For me, personally, I find that the way that I, when I'm closest to the Lord is when I'm involved in praise and worship music. It connects me, and, and even some of the old hymns, too. It connects me in a way that I have this relationship with God that I get close to him. And as a result of it, I, it's easier for me to hear his voice, you know? And I think each of us has probably a different way of how that affects us. Some of it might be prayer. Some of it might be hiking alone in a, you know, in a forest that we connect with God. Uh, for me, as I said, it's often... Uh, I listen to praise worship and worship music, and I am in tears sometimes at how, what a poor Christian I am, and how often I fail God. Um, and yet, the that the ten, that tenderness, that ability for God to connect to us, is the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And it might be different for you than it is for me. It might be reading the Word. It might be listening to podcasts. It might be. Uh, it might be fellowshipping with friends. It might be playing golf. Maybe you feel close to God playing golf. I don't know. I, I, some of you are going, no, I lose my, I lose my salvation when I play golf. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. So it's... it's about being humble. Yeah, that's what playing golf is for. <laughs> yes, yeah, Rick. So, you know, we're talking... Yeah. And the denomination, you know. But this is all God's church. Do you think that 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 we would allow all the denominations if they didn't have a, a plan in mind? And the one thing that I really felt that the differential was actually a blessing was um, uh, I had an opportunity a long, long time ago, my very first trip, uh, inner city of Detroit to a That's great.
all yeah. the bad stuff and that, you know, and you're talking yeah, about the old, the old, and all that. Yeah, the old story is the old. It's not on my car. Yeah, the old story is if uh, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that means that that the way that we, <clears throat> the way that people understand the gospel, is that they read us. So how how's your how's your gospel looking to those around you? Does it does it look like the gospel that you find in scripture or does it look like another gospel? Because often the only gospel people will ever see or read is what you portray for them. Which I like that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So God says, and we're, we're still in first, the first verse of our study today. Just, just strange how that works out. It says that uh, in, in my translation, it says that we're in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. That word contending there is, is in, the, in the Greek has the idea of striving together. It's, it's, it would be almost the same word that we have as uh, athletics. Think of it like as one man, it, it, like a tug of war. Have you ever tried to do a tug of war and not all tugged together on your team? It doesn't work real well, does it? You, you need all of you going in the same direction, all of you doing it at the same uh, same cadence. You know, if you're gonna, it, it's like rowing. Uh, if you're into uh, uh, rowing, it's it's you got to have a a person who calls the the row. You know, it's time, go, row, 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 yeah, stroke, stroke. It's like standing together and then fighting. Yeah. Much more of a battleground uh, mentality. Which, which is what, what Satan wants to do is divide and conquer. You know what, in, in, in Romans, in, in Rome, in the Roman soldiers, centurions, you know how they fought? They fought as a, what they call a phalanx. They came together as a moving army that was like a block. And the people in front had shields, and they locked the shields together. It was almost like a like a human battering ram that would go stretch for however how many men they had deep or wide, moving forward. If someone fell in front of you, you moved up to take their place. Yeah. So the idea of being doing this together is 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 important. And and here in the Greek in the Greek in Philippians one uh, twenty seven. It means striving together as athletes. That's what God wants us to do. Unfortunately, sometimes there are people that don't want to do that. They want to strive for themselves. They got their own agenda, their own plan, and their own plan tends to thwart the movement of the rest of us going forward. I'm, I'm reminded of, I was, uh, I was in one church years ago, uh, and I was encountering a problem with a person in the church. And I was talking to my mentor, trying to, kind of complaining about how in the world do I move around this obstacle? And he says, oh, you have a diatrophies. I go, huh? You have a diatrophies. Well, in, in uh, 3 John uh, verse 9, it says that diatrophies was a man who loved preeminence. He liked to preen among themselves. He wanted to be the boss even though he wasn't. And, and, and sometimes that's what happens is we get caught up in the fact that, 
there are too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And some of us like to be chiefs. One of the reasons, some of, I, have, I have a real good friend in the ministry who I love dearly, but I'll tell you this, the boy is a, is a chief as, as, as long as the day is. I've never known him to really do anything other than just boss people around. Even when he says, oh yeah, I, I really worked hard today. I said, what, what, what did you do? <laughs> I told so-and-so to go do something. <laughs> okay, what, what did you do? Well, I told so-and-so to go do this. <laughs> well, that's good, I'm glad. I'm not sure that's exactly what work is, but okay, maybe. So. Yeah, one of the problems that we often have is when we come to church is that we, as a pastor friend of mine used to say, we, we come to sit, soak, and sour. You know, we, we sit there, we soak it in, and as a result, since we never get wrung out, we get soured. And, and it's true. You know, the, the great thing about a sponge is that you have to, you can soak in a lot of things, but you need to get wrung out occasionally so you can soak in some more stuff. And if you've ever had something sit that's been sitting for a long time and, and, and damp, it gets kind of sour. You ever had dishcloths that do that? And, and oh man, you know, as a kid I can remember my mom sometimes would, she'd have this dishcloth and it'd be, it would just reek and it's like, mom, it's time for a new one. You know, we need to wash that one. Why? Because it had sat, soaked, and soured. And so often I think that's our lives, sitting, soaking, and souring find a way to to do something for God whether it's contributing uh, financially and and that's great 
whether it's getting your hands dirty, that's great. Whatever it is, God says that, you know, it's your uh, time, treasure, and talent is, is in, involved in what, is, what you need to give to God. So what are you giving? How are you giving? And, and God's going to bless you as a result of that. The thing is, in Philippians, uh, in verse 28 of chapter 1, it says, basically he's saying, don't be alarmed by your opponents. N- pay attention. It, Paul uses the picture of, of a horse that's shying away in battle. He says, don't, don't do that. Don't shy away from the battle. Horses tend to be, you, you know, we all have this tendency to fight or fright, f- fight or flight. And often horses are known for flight, and they have to be trained to go into battle. They have to be trained to go to where it's, it's scary. Sometimes we have to be trained to go where it's scary because our natural intention is to do something totally different. I, I want to go someplace where I don't have to fight, you know. <clears throat> there have been times when I, I have literally sighed and said, okay, I got to do it again. I got to strap on the armor and we got to go to war. I don't want to. It's not really my joy. It's not what I want to do, but it's what God's called me to do. And I got to go do it again because it's, it's time for battle. Which is why I like the three T's, time, talent, and treasures. Because, you know, sometimes I have more time. Sometimes I have more talent that I can give. Sometimes I have more treasure to give. But regardless, God expects us to give. And to give out of our abundance. And sometimes to give out of our lack of abundance. You know, the, the widow was complimented and praised by God, by Jesus, as a result of giving out of her lack of abundance. So sometimes we had to find, you know, okay, I, I had a situation the other night where I was tired and I got an email from somebody. They had a question. And I was like, my first reaction is, it's 10 o'clock at night. I really don't want to, I shouldn't have opened up my emails, but it's teaching me. But I did, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll answer it. Well, it took me a good half hour to, to compose, uh, to answer the, the question the person had. And I thought, well, that took care of it, and I sent it off. And a few minutes later, ding, here comes a response to that with more questions. I go, oh, man, I'm never going to get to bed. You know? <laughs> not, not that I go to bed at 10 o'clock, mind you. You know this. So... <clears throat> There are a couple of things that, that God, God, Paul is talking about confidence. No, no one blindly runs into a fight, but, but no true believer ever deliberately avoids, should avoid facing the enemy. 
A lot of times I go, I don't want to go into this battle, but okay, I got to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's what God has, has commanded in Scripture. And so you go into battle. And sometimes, you know, the problem is, do you ever think that sometimes you go and think, am I really saved? Because look at all the, the mess I'm in. Look at all the things I'm having to go through, all the, the struggles I'm having to go through. Do you know that according to this passage in, in verse 29 here, the battles are what proves that we're saved? It's the battles that prove we're saved. It's not, the, it's not the easy life that proves we're saved. You know, I, I, there's an old, old uh, hymn, probably from the 17, 1800s. It says, must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? And so often, my, I, my, I think my religion ought to be, you know, uh, a barco lounger. You know, I think that would make, that would be great. You know, I got saved so I can sit in my barco lounger for the rest of my life. No, that's not what God called us to do. I'm not sure that we'll even get a barco lounger when we get to heaven. I wish it would be. I'd be great, man, wouldn't it? You know, God promises, yeah, I'm going to give you a mini, I'll give you a special room, and it's going to be full of barco loungers. That'd be good. I'd like that. Maybe a lazy boy. <laughs> yeah, I get to I get to play on my harp and I'm good to go. Yeah, rest on the cloud. I just personally I don't see that because it talks about even that after the thousand year reign there's still and all the things that will take place here that there will still yep. be those who fall away. So the angels were back in heaven and there was still they fell away. Some fell yep. away. Corinthians tells us that we're going to be judging angels. Dude, seriously? How cool is that, you know? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The presence of conflict should be viewed as a privilege. Uh, let, me, let me say it one more time. The presence of conflict should be viewed as a privilege. We, we get to suffer for his sake. That has to do with the context. Where you are, where you are standing. The devil will never come to you if you work in his
were stoned in the synagogue, and we got out. Praise God. Stephen, the same. I said, I'm going to ask him, Lord, hey, what's wrong with you? He's a young man, just starting, and he does fantastic job. John 16.33 says, in this world you will have tribulation. In 2 Timothy 3.12 it says, yea, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. By the way, it isn't an option. It isn't an option. Now, your form of persecution and mine might be two different things. Your form of temptation and mine might be different. But each of us struggles. That's right. Jesus says, take heart. He says, you know, and what I love about that is it's a privilege for us to suffer for his sake. And it's, it's a, an encouragement not only for us, but especially for others. Because what you go through will prepare you to be able to share and help someone else who's struggling with that same thing. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, Second Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter. Um, wasn't planning on going here, but why not? Second Corinthians chapter one. In verse three, it says, "Praise be to God uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those." In any trouble with comfort ourselves, we have received from God. We get to comfort others as a result of what we go through. I've shared with you before, my, my wife has, has uh, there's a hairdresser that every day, every time my wife goes into the shop, she's not my wife's hairdresser, but she's a hairdresser at the shop. Every time she goes into the shop, she takes out her pictures and she shows my wife, not only her daughter, but her grandchildren. And she says, I have a daughter that's still alive and I have grandchildren today because you told me what you had gone through in dealing with uh, a child that had an eating addiction, a problem. And you saw the signs in my daughter and you mentioned it to me and we got her help before she went too far down the road. Otherwise she'd have died and we'd have lost her. And I wouldn't have grandchildren today. You know, my wife never wanted that ministry. It's not the first time she's done it. She hates it. But she has experienced something that she can share with others that, that somebody who hasn't gone through that experience can't, can't share. Um, whether it's a, a brush with death, whether it's a, a sickness, whether it's struggling with a, a situation with a, with a loved one, whether it's a, a divorce, whether it's losing a job, whether it's being fired, um, whether it's struggling with teenagers. <laughs> Regardless of what you go through, part of what you're going through is going to prepare you to help minister to others. Are you aware of it? Are you looking for it, how you can minister to others? Might not be fun, but 
God has a plan, and God's plan is to help us to encourage others that experience the same conflict. By the way, that's Philippians 1.30, so we're actually there. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now here that I still have. By the way, that struggle is, is the word, it could be called, uh, in the Greek it could be conflict, or even worse, it could be considered, it could be translated agony. Since you're going through the same agony I'm going through, so you're going through the same struggle I'm going through, you're going through the same problems I'm going through. You can be encouraged because I went through it, and I can tell you, you can bear it. I love the fact that God says, there's no temptation taking you, there's no trial, there's no test, there's nothing that can take you, but such is this common man. But God will, with the temptation, trial, or test, provide a way to escape in the time of need. So basically what it is like this, it's like you are in a, this wonderful pressure cooker. God turns up the heat. God sets the timer. He says, okay, you got to cook in there for a while. You're going, yeah, I don't really want to. I, I, it's getting a little hot, hot in here. It, the pressure is really hard. I don't think I can handle it. Lord, I think I'm done. God says, no, 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 the timer, no, the timer hasn't gone off yet. You, you can handle a little more. You're going, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, you, you can. Trust me. I know exactly how much you can take. I know exactly when to turn down the heat. I can go sit in a cave someplace. Yeah. You look pretty good for a guy who was struck by lightning. I see you look pretty good for a guy that was struck by lightning. does it happen and it, this happens to me too you know I, I, the other day I was in a situation where I felt compelled to share a word with a person that I wasn't I didn't know if they were a believer or not but they were going through a tough time I happened to start strike a conversation with them and then I thought you know here's God's presenting an opening for me to share a word of encouragement and maybe share the gospel and I'm going do I really want to do that you know, it's it's a little uncomfortable. You know, what if they don't? I I got a nice rapport with this person. Do I really want to? You know, and and I go, no, God, you're really pressing home the point. I need to do this. Oh, okay, I'll do it. Now it turned out wonderful. This person ended up being a believer, but they needed encouragement. Yeah. 
They were going through a tough time in, in, in a situation, and I had an opportunity to share, and I hope encourage them. They walked away with a smile on their face and a little, you know, lighthearted. They felt their heart was lifted a little bit, and I'm going, okay, well, that's what God but, you know, it could have just been as well the easy way. I've had people you tried to share the gospel with, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, that's that, that's that God stuff. I don't want that. You know, I don't believe in God. I don't even know if there is a God or whatever the case may be. And I think that, that that's a problem that we all face is, you know, we're scared to death. Yet we're called to be a, we're called to be a soldier. We're called to, to advance the kingdom. Sometimes it's done gently. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes when it's not, it's wrong. Thinking of like, oh, I don't know, say the Crusades. <laughs> there are a whole sort of, all sorts of reasons why we had Crusades back in, in the day, back in the Middle Ages. But uh, one of them was, was religion and uh, supposedly advancing Christendom. And um, I'm not sure that's really what God had in, t in mind for us to do. I'm pretty sure you have a hard time finding it in scripture but it took care of some political situations in Europe so you know sometimes we justify things that are wrong just because it makes it easier for us right we all I know none of you do that you know it was only just in the past in, the, in past history so we made it all the way to uh, Philippians chapter 2 and um, we're going to dig a little bit into this we won't get all the way through this and, and I have Okay, in these, whatever I have, was it seven or eight verses? I have 17 pages of information I want to impart to you. We are on page five. Uh, but the, I will tell you this. The patio is bigger than the house is the problem. The patio is bigger than the house. So this is a section that I am going to come back to and we'll finish up chapter two and we'll also uh i'll get to where i want the how this how this affects us today in the church because i don't want us to miss this and so often i i go ah, i got you know four or five pages of of comments and i'm going yeah i think we've 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 beat this one enough but this one i want to beat a little further than you know so as as uh, the T-shirt says the beatings will continue until the uh, until the morale improves. So we'll see about that. Anyhow, we're in chapter two, verse one, and what I'm notice here is that Paul knew that some of uh, some Christian workers uh, don't know today, and that there's a difference, which we talked about earlier. That there's a difference between unity and uniformity. True spiritual unity comes from within. It's a matter of the heart, but uniformity is a result of pressure from without. I suffered going through uniformity when I was in school, when I was an undergrad. I had to conform to a whole list of things that I was told if I did this, I was spiritual. And so I ended up becoming like, uh, you know, being stamped out of a cookie cutter, you know. I had to look a particular way. I had to act a particular way. I had to, had to go through the whole process a particular way because that's what it was to be, uni to be unified. And God says, no, 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 that's uniformity, and that's a matter of conforming from without. When you conform from within, you're unified, 
And unity from within looks a whole lot different than uniformity. Just saying. So, you know, Paul is saying to the early church, your disagreements reveal that there's a spiritual problem in your fellowship. It isn't going to be solved by rules or threats. It's going to be solved when your hearts are right with God and with each other. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that's the hard part. I have to be right with the other person. It's one thing to get right with God, but then I have to go and get things right with somebody else. I'll do anything but that. Hey, you know, Lord, I'll, I'll, t I'll go the extra mile somewhere, somewhere else, but please don't let me have to go back and talk to that person, especially if it's my spouse. Just saying. Right? How many of us admit that we're wrong? Yeah. The, the problem is that, Paul, and Paul wanted to point out to us in this, in this, this first, first four verses of chapter 2, is that the basic cause for our disagreements is selfishness. And the cause of selfishness is, starts with a P, ends with I'd. <laughs> pride. <laughs> yeah, pride. Well, that's a, a group called lions, the pride. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, my problem is, uh, yeah. <laughs> the secret of joy, and remember, we've said that one of the one of the, the themes of Philippians is joy. The secret of joy, in spite of our circumstances, is to have the singleness of mind. And the secret of joy, uh, in spite of people, is to have a submissive mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, or in low, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better or at least more important than themselves. Seriously? That's what I have to do? I have Are to think. more countercultural in our culture than verses 3 and 4? Yeah. And that's the antithesis of uh, the exact opposite of what I want to be. I want to be the man, you know? No. Go ahead. Going back to the verse two, though. Yeah. Where it says, uh, "Make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose." I know we talk a lot about unity and things, and it reminds me of um, that each uh, program that went on. I don't know how many years ago. Everyone a chance to hear. Mm -hmm. All the churches in the area came together. You know, despite their differences. Mm -hmm. but with one purpose mm -hmm. just to have everyone a chance to hear the gospel and they, 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 the services were, were uh, coordinated so they were all having the same kind of a message throughout the city uh, I went down to the uh, uh, they had a, a one Saturday they had like a prayer rally down at Comerica Park and thousands of people from different churches with you know all different
striving together for what we believe, yeah. not concentrating on our differences. <clears throat> and that, I just saw that happening in the city. And to me, remember who was that? Anyway, it was guy from the Oak Ridge Church. I forget his name. From which church? Oak Ridge. Uh, Oak, uh, <laughs> yeah, Oak Ridge or something. It's, uh, Shyrock, I think his name yeah. is. Chuck Edica was really the instigator behind the whole thing. He was one of the speakers there down there. Yeah, we actually interviewed him at Luma Christie show right on site there. I don't know if I had told the story. It was a really rainy day. Remember it was really rainy? Yeah. And it was so powerful, the rain, that it was actually going sideways. And so we had to pick up the cameraman with all his equipment at his house. I didn't think he was even going to get in our van, you know, because it was so bad. Why, why am I going, you know? So we got there. We let us set up in a tent right behind uh, this, where the stage was. And we started interviewing people. We actually uh, interviewed uh, Pastor uh, Dave Wilson from here. And um, so so we figured this was going to be it. We're going to get a few interviews here in, the, uh, in this tent kind of thing. And as we got closer to the uh, beginning, the, uh, I don't remember this, there was like this circle that came around the sun. Wait, 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 but the, you mean they, 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 they shed a few layers, let's, re, let's rephrase that, please. So the, 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 lead, the lead guy goes, could somebody pass up the sunscreen? And, um, and so then when the march actually started, okay, do you remember that there was the, this crazy guy that went racing down Woodward with the police, the police escorted him so that he wouldn't crash into the, into the, into the people that were walking? It was like a scene out of the Bible. This guy was a deranged guy, and he's and we because we're filming right in the middle of Woodward, okay? And and this and these cars are just going zooming past us. We're going like 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 we're like we're this close, okay? And um, and then the guy ended up crashing right into a into this barricade and then into a building. He crashed right into it. Oh, he didn't stop. Police car stopped, but he didn't stop. And so all this guy had to do was just pull into the into where the crowd was. And Lord protected you guys. That's great. So uh, as we wrap up, I just want to talk about this uh, this idea of being esteeming others better than ourselves or higher than ourselves. Uh, really, we're talking about humility, and I just want to just say this as we close about humility. Humility, it, uh, to be a humble person, is not one who thinks meanly of themselves. He simply doesn't think of himself at all. And humility that is grace-filled is kind of like that. When you know you have it, you've lost it. George and I, former a guy who used to attend, he's getting a little long in the tooth, and I think he has a hard time getting up in the morning. He doesn't like to get up early. But George, you remember George, some of you have been here for a while. He and I used to kid each other about having a humble button, and as soon as we wore the humble, the humility button, we had to give it to the other guy because we proved that we weren't humble by wearing it. 
you know, we were awarded the humility award, but as soon as we got it, we had to give it away because we were no longer humble. Church that asked you, where are you on the humble scale from one to ten? <laughs> yeah, I do remember I got asked that. I had a hard time answering that because I'm not sure where I am. I think my problem is I think I, I think of myself way too high. And then, you know, how do you... Uh, that's that's the one I think they asked me four to three or four times, and then they come back, come, kept coming back, and I'd say I'm a you know on a scale of one to ten, where you at? I'm going well, you know, if you go too high, you're thinking really high of yourself. If you go too low, you're thinking well, they're not going to want you. <laughs> so I'm I answer like five, you know, and it, it, and then it was a, a a computerized program, and it kept coming back and asking me the same question. <laughs> <laughs> like three or four times throughout the, the test, and I go, well, I apparently flunked, flunked that one. <laughs> so we need to not think of ourselves at all if we want to truly be humble. So as we close today, let's do this. Let's figure out how can we live in a way that we realize that, that the fact that we go through struggles is one of the proofs that we're saved. It, it's a privilege to, to struggle as a result of our of our salvation as a result of our of our kinship with Christ because it proves that we are related to him and we are going through what he went through and then thirdly it allows us the opportunity to share with others and to help them in the midst of whatever they're going through so as a result of that we need to to figure out how we can be unified and not be uh, caught up in the idea of having to become a cookie cutter Christian because cookie-cutter Christians will, will never be satisfied being a cookie-cutter Christian. will always be, it, it, it's not us. Well, you look at it the other sense, too. God provides the variety of everything. Yeah. There's no, all flowers aren't the same color. They aren't the same height. They aren't the same width. And I don't think God expects all Christians to be exactly alike. Thank God. Absolutely. And remember, I've told you that the, the, the God's ultimate goal for each of us is to be conformed to his son's image. How we get there will be different for each of us because each of us is made differently. Each of us have different experiences and each of us have different DNA. And the result of that is that sometimes the way God reaches you is different than the way he reaches me. And his timing is always superb for his plan. And it's rarely superb for my plan. <laughs> Just saying. All right, let's say a word of prayer. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity to spend time in your word. We ask that you would help us to realize just what a privilege it is to be your servant and to be your children. We realize that we need to esteem others higher than ourselves, and yet that seems to be one of the tough things that we struggle with, at least some of us. So we ask for your forgiveness for when we have failed to do that. And we pray that you'll guide and direct in each of our lives so that you will be honored and glorified as a result of our actions, and we would be an encouragement to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.